Dead men tell no tales. Fifty men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from ScottArtis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from BlackPearlMinute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 21 of Dead Man's Chest. I got nothing. I just was planning to roll right into the, the minute. Is everybody You've been okay with that? that? a lot this I have. Season. Jeez. I figured let's just roll with it because we got stuff that we can put into bonus episodes. And if we get around to posting those and doing that, I'd like to save it for that as opposed to going through all my stuff ahead of time. Okay, sounds good. And it also keeps us on a nice like 30 minute pace, which is kind of where I aim for these days. Keep it okay. Right around that period. So that's the behind the scenes stuff. That way people can listen and not get overwhelmed. And then we can save the longer episodes maybe for bonuses or whatever. Sounds good to me. In the previous minute, the sea was angry that day, my friends. Like an old man trying to send back soup in a deli. The great beast appeared under the Turkish fishing vessel. I can never say Turkish fishing vessel at one time. <laughs> except when I'm actually trying to say it. Or not say it. I tell you, he was ten stories high if he was a foot. As if sensing my presence, he let out a great bellow. I said, Vangasteroro! Big fella. And then, as I watched him struggling, I realized that something was obstructing its breathing. From where I was standing, I could see directly into the eye of the great fish. Well then, from out of nowhere, a huge tidal wave lifted me, tossed me like a cork, and I found myself right on top of him, face to face with the blowhole. I could barely see from the waves crashing down upon me, but I knew something was there, so I reached my hand in, felt around, and pulled out the obstruction. It was the bones to an exploded raven. That's how Jack pissed off the Leviathan, or something like that. Minute 21 begins with a bit of romance as Will and Elizabeth talk through the bars of her jail cell. I'll start there and I won't stop searching until I find him. And then I intend to return here to marry you. Elizabeth responds, properly. Will says eagerly if you will still have me. The minute ends with Will on Tortuga searching for Jack Sparrow. Scarlet and Giselle tell Will that they haven't seen Jack in a month. Giselle follows up asking Will that when he finds him to give him a message as he proceeds to slap him across the face. <laughs> damn you, Will. Damn you, Terry Rossio. And damn you, Todd Elliott. That's all I have to say. That's it? That's my entire Kay. podcast. Thanks, kids. Have a great evening. Let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Why doesn't Will kiss Elizabeth through the freaking bars? Right? Am I so damn angry about They're, this? They act like these bars are just tiny. These bars you are know. keeping us apart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He could totally kiss her and it looked like they were going to. And then, no, we're not going to kiss. If Governor Swan wasn't lingering in the background like some dirty old man, Will probably have rounded second base in this scene. <laughs> But from what I can it, gather reading Will's mind, I believe third wheel has come to mind. Governor Swan, you third wheel bastard. <laughs> That's all I have to say. 
Well, you know what? Elizabeth's sitting here saying, I'd have you already if these bars weren't here. Hey, I got stuff to say about this whole thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's and, in it. And Governor Swan didn't like that too much. In no, fact, he didn't. He did a callback from Black Pearl, uh, Curse of the Black Pearl. Did you notice this? Of course I noticed it. It's like him breaking <laughs> Will's neck. Or his... Now, let's not get to euphemisms already. I don't think already. he was mad. He was just but shocked. But that candle that sconce, I think that was part of Will, if you know what I mean. He, he crushed that thing with his brute strength. I think he was shocked his daughter said such a thing. He didn't raise her to be like that. Wow. I mean, it's just Elizabeth. In front of your already uncomfortable father? Yeah. A timeless reference that still holds up to this day. When you hear your daughter drop that bomb, it will make you rip a sconce right off the wall. <laughs> I also think I saw Governor Swan's eyes go red. <laughs> but I do like the callback to Curse of the Black Pearl. Will is out of his element in the Swan Mansion and accidentally breaks their wall sconce and then he hides it discreetly. Here, Governor Swan accidentally breaks the sconce off the wall. When he's like maybe trying to divert his attention. He's a little out of his element also, by yeah, the way. He's trying to divert his attention. He doesn't want to hear what's going on. Well, he doesn't want to see the hot and heavy Elizabeth and Will action here. No, and it's probably, everything is probably just echoing around this room anyway. I'm sure. In his mind, stone. it's bouncing off his ears. <laughs> Yet he makes no attempt to drop it quietly. I think he was trying to send a message for them to wrap up this visit before it goes conjugal. That's what was going on. That, or he just thought... He made enough noise breaking it off. I'm sure that was it. It didn't matter. Okay. They know I broke it, so I throw it down. Hey, a father doesn't want to hear or see that stuff. No. But I do like the turn of the tone from this instance to the first time. It's now the governor's turn to be uneasy with the situation. It's a little payback, I guess. This gets back to what you were asking yesterday. Elizabeth caressing Will's face. The fact that Will's wedding night was spoiled... I seriously was waiting for him to just, like, want a conjugal visit here. So why doesn't he kiss her? From his point of view, not the writers. I mean, I know what the writers are saying, and I'll talk about that in a second. But why doesn't he kiss her? I know you jumped ahead. You were all ready to, ready to go to the action. Heather was skipping the foreplay and going right to the action, as opposed to setting it up here. I don't know what to say about that. But instead, Elizabeth perhaps drops that euphemism, which is just as good. But why doesn't he kiss her? I don't know. That's weird, right? Yeah. Because she says something, and this is the euphemism part, if it weren't for these bars, I'd have you already. Perfect time to kiss her. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. Perfect time to... Maybe... Kiss, poke, whatever you want to well, call no, it. Well, dad in the room. Hey. Maybe that's why they didn't kiss. These people in the 18th century were animals. Maybe that's why they didn't kiss, because dad was standing right there. That's possible. You know? Did they kiss in that... front... They kissed in front of them, though, right? In... Curse of the Black Pearl at the end? Now I got to go back and look at that. Damn it. Did they? I believe they did. Yeah, he turned yeah, his back. Yeah, he turned his back and walked away. So yeah. this has already happened. This was kind of under the yeah altar-like setting but that you called me out on. This is not a very romantic place to kiss either. So? He could be leaving forever. He could come back and she may be gone. He doesn't know what this Beckett character, Darth Cutler Beckett, is going to do. Very true. So I don't know why she doesn't kiss him and vice versa. Yeah, I don't. From a writer's standpoint, I'll tell you, but the this bars one, are too the kid too get corroded. Their, their faces in They're there. Like I really don't want this corroded, rusty iron all over my lips. What, are you gonna kiss the iron? Arr! They accidentally missed. Who knows? <laughs> what does Elizabeth mean when she says "properly" to Will about him coming back to marry her? I don't know because that looked like a proper wedding to me. I, I don't know. I'm at a loss. Does that mean 
to redo the pomp and circumstance of the wedding that got rained out? Is she saying no trip like to the town magistrate to, you know, like a courthouse wedding or something? I don't know. I'm not sure. Or does this is here's my theory. Okay. Or here's something I'm throwing out. You can choose your own adventure. Does she mean that they are already living in the proverbial sin and she wants to make a proper marriage out of this? No. Are you sure? No way. Her dad wouldn't allow it. Maybe she doesn't know there. He wasn't listening in to maybe that part. She kind of whispered it. What what does properly mean? I don't get it. I don't it. know. What is that about? Are they already married? Is that how it works? Somehow? No. I think back in the time it was a church thing, right? I think it was a the church. Weddings are like a church phenomenon. Can't have a captain marry you? At the time. Well, you could actually, yeah. Wait, no. How dare you jump ahead? Just asking. How dare you jump ahead? <laughs> jump ahead. Oh, you're jumping ahead. No, you're spoiling for all the audience. How dare you? Get the hell out of it here. It was a question. What is what I don't know what the properly means. This may be I don't know what it means. I have no This clue. is gonna have to be a discussion in the Facebook group then, because I have I I'm really at a loss to what this means. Because it looked like they were gonna have a proper wedding, except she was out at the altar, nobody else was around. And is there a different word just, for properly in that time period? Was properly used in a different way? I don't know. Maybe we should have looked that up. That's that bad been, on our part. Yeah. Would have been that would just idea. be one more stone that I got to lift to carry the show. Meanwhile, You were the one pulling the question, which is properly mean. Yeah, I'm asking. I thought maybe you'd know. I forgot that you rolled off the couch and phoned it in, but that's what I'm saying. I don't know. It's, it's really an interesting question because I really don't know what properly means. And by the way, did the, the governor, I didn't look like he put himself out much in an effort to find the jail dog. He's back awfully quick. Yeah. Your daughter's in prison, dude. Look for the damn keys, man. Look. Obviously, if this is how you roll, no wonder Will wants to look for Jack as opposed to finding an alternate way. He knows you're just going to half-ass this thing. <laughs> he knows that it won't well, get done. Well, look at when... Okay. Put it this way. When Will actually, in Curse of Black Pearl, when Will took off to go... He went to go see Norrington and Governor Swan. To get their help to go get Elizabeth, right? That's true. And they didn't do anything. No, they were Or they were, were working stuff. on something, but it wasn't quick enough for Will. It was the Will. bureaucracy of yeah. it, the red tape, as yeah. opposed to Will being that, I'm just going to go ahead and do this right away. The, think, the governor and Norrington are think before they act. Will is more act before I really completely think about what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. I'm just going to go do this. He's spur of the moment. Right. And so to get his future wife out of jail sooner that's why he's acting rather than taking the another route well here, right? definitely that's it he looks at this is his quickest option as opposed to trying to dick around and find something whereas will knows okay we're going to get politicians in the room to pull some strings and this is going to take freaking forever right he goes i got to get in that jail cell i'm about ready to burst let me in that thing <laughs> you want me to wait for red tape from the government the crown itself, just to get a message across, took forever. So what's he thinking is going to happen? I mean, but Governor Swan could have at least ran to the butcher. He could have rounded up some steak, enticed that dog man. Yeah. Nope. Instead, he comes back to chaperone the inmate daughter. She needed a chaperone. She did need chaperoning. Who knows what would have happened if he Bars may not have been there. able to fit people out, but I'm just saying. I don't know. I wasn't there. Yeah, actually, I was getting all heated up, and I completely forgot to mention why I cursed the writers in the beginning. If you curse writers, you can't forget why you did it. I know. That's because it's their fault Will and Elizabeth don't kiss. Oh. 
they are falling back into that same screenplay pattern that they established in Curse of the Black Pearl. You tease and tease the kiss, but you don't deliver it until the final act of the movie. That's what they do. Here, they're building up the tension between Will and Elizabeth, building it up, building it up in anticipation of that final release. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense for them not to kiss. Right. I mean, this is beyond their courtship here. They were engaged. They've already kissed. I mean, it's just smart writing when it comes to that, especially when we eventually see where this buildup takes us. Where does the buildup take us? Oh. We have to keep a weather eye out for that kiss. (laughs) That's what we have to do. And that'll be something for us to talk about later on in the movie, perhaps. A weather eye on that horizon, I say. Elizabeth really likes that phrase. It's her catchphrase, I think. Yeah? Because she said it in The Curse of the Black Pearl. She said it? She said it. I was going to quiz you on it and I forgot. Damn it. Here's, she says, uh, just wait, Captain Sparrow. You give it one hour, maybe two. Keep a weather eye out and you will see white sails on that horizon. But now she's got to keep a weather eye out for Jack, for Will. Exactly. Because Elizabeth says that to Jack after she burned all the rum and provisions on Rum Runner's oh, Isle. Oh, yes. But I like that we get these character developments. It keeps them familiar to us and sells us the character's involvement in the story. It's not like they're new people every time, just that they look the same or have the same name, but they actually act and have the same mannerisms and the same phrases that they use over and over again. Right. In the days of Sale, the officer of the deck kept a weather eye constantly on the slightest change in the wind, so Sale could be reefed or added as necessary to ensure the fastest headway. The weather eye is one which looks toward the wind, from which direction a change in weather would be indicated. So the precise allusion in this expression is disputed, but presumably it refers to watching for a storm from the early 1800s. So it could be set late, mid, late 1700s, early 1800s. They don't really know, but early 1800s is the guess. So it's kind of in that time frame. Yeah. Since there's no, uh, there's a dispute, we'll just go ahead and give it to them. Sounds good. Now that I've calmed down from my what the hell is going on here, Will didn't kiss the girl deal, and Governor Swan's ineptitude with the jail dog. At least giving it a good shot. Yeah, I caught my breath. Now we can actually move on to searching for Jack. This move to Tortuga. We find ourselves in a new spot. And we have a classic movie reference in this minute. It's an obscure one. Will Turner asking several people where Jack is and getting different answers from each of them is taken from a scene in the 1941 film Citizen Kane when a reporter asks several people about Kane and gets different answers from all of them. It's a loose potential reference. (laughs) But given Terry and Ted's resume and their writing experience, it wouldn't shock me that they would pull something like that. Right. And they're film buffs. They've studied this stuff that this could be a cool trope that they have pulled from another movie or just a lot of other films. But I think they really set that from Citizen Kane and is is considered a, a great film. I'm sure that that would be something on their minds to potentially see that. Yeah. First, we have... Our sailor that we're talking to on the dock. Number one in this search for Jack. Uh Uh-huh. That he owes four pence to? Four doubloons. Doubloons. He's called the Sunburn Sailor. You're all excited to get the call to read for a part in Pirates of the Caribbean. You arrive and they say, how well can you play a Sunburn Sailor? (laughs) Damn it! (laughs) You know, you thought you were going to be a cool pirate or something. It's a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. You've seen the original. You thought, oh my God, telling your family... I could be in Pirates of the Caribbean. I may be like a skeleton pirate. I don't know what's coming up. Ooh, sunburned sailor. At least he had a line. That's true. I'm not saying they didn't have a line, but wouldn't it have been cool to be something else in the sunburned sailor? Well, of course it would. Well, that's all I'm saying. The sailor had dealings with Sparrow and ended up being owed four doubloons. 
The man owned a small fishing boat and was in charge of a small crew. There you go. And that's about all we know from our sun-loving friend here. <laughs> well, except that he was played by Maury Treadwell. Hey, that's a Treadwell reference for all you Star Wars and Star Wars Minute fans out there. He's a droid. Oh, okay. There you go. He has a few TV credits. Not Treadwell, because he does. But Treadwell, the actor, not the droid. Mostly does stage acting, though. And Maury trained at the National Youth Theater of Great Britain and Guilford School of Acting. Next we have... Ready for it? Yep. Fisherman Dash Montage. Damn that name. It's worse than Sunburn Freaking Sailor. Yeah. Because you're not even important enough to have a descriptive name next to your fisherman title. It's montage. It's more like with parentheses behind it like, oh, you're the fisherman that was in the montage. So you're not even as important as a regular fisherman. Yeah. You're just a montage fisherman. This man is identified as being half blind though in... A version of the script, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, is found on IMDb. Oh, really? So he did have something. He's like, I'm the half-blind guy. <laughs> the sailor. I'm the half-blind one. You know, the half-blind fisherman. I've scored, honey. I am half-blind fisherman. And then you're just Then you roll the credits, montage. and they're like, where, where are you? What? Fisherman montage? Blow me down. Shiver <laughs> me timbers. What the hell? You know? Damn it. This is all just craziness that happens there. He had some, well, at some point, he had at some point heard that the notorious pirate Captain Jack Sparrow was in Singapore. And he was, quote, as he says, drunk with a smile on his face. And as well, far as I'm concerned. in Singapore. He, that you bet your ass we know what happened <laughs> in Singapore. Sounds about right for Jack, though. Yeah. Jack informed us what had happened in Singapore. What happens in there? And poor. Stays in Singapore. What happens in Singapore stays in Singapore. Unless you're Jack telling... Mulroy and Murtog about corsets and how to finagle them. That's why we haven't seen more Murtog and Mulroy yet. They're training They're in, in Singapore. Singapore right now. They're thinking to themselves, we got to really work on this corset thing. Uh, should we go to Singapore? Uh, sounds about right. <laughs> Jim Cody Williams has 82 credits on his acting film resume and is our fisherman montage. He mostly plays quirky characters like we see here. Kind of the bearded Grizzly Adams type. Credits in movies include things like Truck Driver. Shocking. Hillbilly. Ooh. <laughs> Don't go reaching for that. Monster truck driver, big biker dude, thug, bearded cowboy, and you get the gist. These are the types of characters. I kind of see a thing with all these. Yeah, there's kind of a connection, a if you will. We way. need a burly guy. Hey, how about Jim Cody Williams? <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. Then, of course, we round out the minute with Scarlet and Giselle. Oh, this is so rude. It is. I mean, there's not much to say about the characters. We covered them in depth in season one and the wedlock bonus episode. But let's just say they are both still bitter about this whole incident. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can't blame them for the whole bright auction debacle. But taking it out on Will, no, that's just a little bit rude. It's very rude. What I really love about this particular scene is the pleasant, friendly look they have on their faces. Yeah. Then Giselle turns to slap Will and that face goes like gritted teeth. And a slap. I mean, that's a slap heard around the world right there. <laughs> I expected a Wilhelm scream for that slap. That would have been perfect Well, we don't, get, we don't get um, Will's reaction of this slap until next minute. No, that's right. So maybe we'll get the scream in the next that's minute. That's possible. But the change in her expression is priceless. It really is just the, the way she goes from friendly to I'm going to destroy you yeah. in two seconds. And like you said, what's she funny. She is a woman. That's true. You've seen the shirts out there. Not that I endorse those shirts. I think we all know what I'm talking about. 
I have no clue what you're talking about. I'm not going to mention it. You're the one who pointed it out to me. You said I need one of those, I think. <laughs> Zero to in one second, two seconds, 30 seconds, whatever it is. What's funny, though, like you were saying, is that the minute ends with Will's head back and sideways because of the recoil from her slap. And yeah. that's where it freezes. It's like a freeze frame. Yeah. It's like slow motion before slow motion in film was cool. Poor Will. He thought he was a ladies' man. That's what happens when you go pirate. Yep. He went pirate and look what happened. Got slapped by a woman for no reason. And that's about right, actually, from what we see with Jack. Yep. Although there was significant reason for the slapping of Jack. Some of them. He said some. He was. It wasn't. So I didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve Mm -hmm. that one, but he deserved, possibly deserved that one. Yeah. That makes sense, though, after what was going on there. Especially because wedlock occurred before the Curse of the Black Pearl. So they're still bitter about this, and they're still bitter about Jack. Yeah. Well, I think he kind of pops in and out of their life here and there. I'm sure he does. It's like Singapore to him. He just pops into Tortuga. He wines and dines them. Or something like that. Conjugal visit. <laughs> and then he runs off promising them the world. And he probably steals their pocketbook, doesn't pay up, and he's out of there. Exactly. So it seems like Jack has become, has gotten the celebrity status he's always looked for. Or if you want to go the cheers route, everybody knows his name. Yeah, and that's what he wants so. Yeah. And that is a good point because we know Jack wanted to be that infamous pirate. He he wants people to know his name, but he doesn't really want them to know where he is or what's going on. Right. He just wants people to recognize him, his name. And so this is right. This is like a good telling of that, that all these people that Will is approaching to find Jack Sparrow, they've heard of him. They've heard of his antics, his shenanigans. And they kind of know where he may be. One, oh, he's dead. I thought he was dead. Singapore. And then the girls didn't see him for, haven't seen him for 30 days. So he's been to Tortuga in the last 30 days. Well, that's what's interesting is they're using Singapore because we know that Jack goes to Singapore established in Curse of the Black Pearl. We know that Jack died in Curse of the Black Pearl. So Jack is creating or has out there the legend of Jack Sparrow yeah. is filtering out there now. And this is a play on what was going on with Elizabeth on Rum Runner's Isle in Curse of the Black Pearl when Jack had a bunch of stories. It's like some are true, maybe some aren't true. And he just likes to keep people guessing with that. And that's what we talked about in the lot in season one is that piracy and pirates, it was all about the legend and being able to frighten people and keep up that mythology because then you didn't have to fight as much. And if Jack's reputation precedes him in a way that is advantageous to him, then so be it. He doesn't want it preceding him to a point where he gets arrested just for setting foot in Port Royal like what happened in... Curse of the Black Pearl. Right. But this is right up his alley. He wants that notoriety. He wants people to be kept guessing. Yeah. Because he's the type of person that if he popped up to that sunburned sailor and the sailor said, oh, I heard Jack Sparrow is dead. And he goes on about how Jack is just awesome or something like that. Then that would bring a smile to Jack's face. Right. And he may not say that he's Jack Sparrow at that point. Probably not. Especially especially if he owed him four doubloons. You know what he would probably do? I could see him doing some kind of thing where he breaks out and says, I'm going to need change for this. And he shortchanged the guy. I'm paying you. I'm paying you. And then he ends up making money out of the deal. It'd be like a maverick moment. Yeah. Or something like that. Or it's actually in Cheers since you brought up Cheers. It would be 
Harry, Harry the Hat, as oh, they called him. yeah. He was the guy that was on Night Court, the judge, Harry Anderson. And he would be the one that was the con man that would come in and he would shortchange the register and whatever else was going on. Yeah. Confuse everybody with bills. Ah, my knowledge of TV and <laughs> just astounds me sometimes. If only I could open up that to other important things. But no, it's all crammed full of this kind of stuff. Just blows my mind. So that's all I got. That's it for me. We can end on a con. The con. Jack Sparrow's notoriety. Look at that. No apocalypse. Jack Sparrow's notoriety. It's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. I'm a little sad by it. So I guess we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 22 of Dead Man's Chest. Until then, Scallywags, let's keep the horns woggling to a minimum. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, and by all means give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. Yo ho ho and a bottle of a rum. Yo! This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bilge rats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest, well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.